Just now that you are my host as always, Phil Brown, you are my regular co-host and magnificent comic fighting. We were off last week. Um, unfortunately, my co-host here pulled a sickie on me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> glad to hear he's doing well now, of course. Um, a lot has happened, mate, in the last week. Um, some utterly horrendous incidents, which we'll talk a little bit about in the show, the Mason Greenwood situation. Um, I woke up to that. In Las Vegas, <clears throat> Sunday morning, and genuinely couldn't believe my eyes. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll talk about lots of other things going on at the football club. Lots of loans, of course, happened in January. We'll talk about that. Talk about Richard Arnold's new job. Uh, we'll talk about a number of other things, of course, coming up. So, um, one of the positives is young Hannibal Mabry. It's been promoted to the uh, first team, which is good news. Um, but uh, not much good news coming out of United right now. Callum, I tweeted out the other day, and I know you can be dramatic and you can be a prisoner at the moment. Uh, and I've certainly had plenty of lows with United over the years. Um, you know, But this is a particular low for lots of different reasons. And my God, United badly need a win tomorrow against Middlesbrough. It's changed the narrative about the football club from negative to positive. There aren't many positives right now. And one of the things we talk about, Calm, a lot is United DNA and identity. But how on earth can you talk like that when you're an executive and you take a look at the condition of this football club that you played a part in? If Manchester United DNA is, is something that is going to continue to be a soundbite, then especially over the next few months, um, <laughs> I think I'd be reconsidering that because you're, you're spot on. It's been a, a very difficult week for the football club in a, in a number of ways. Um, obviously, no game, which I suppose is... I don't want to say help to alleviate that uh, stress that they're going through kind of in regards to off the pitch because that should always be there and should always be highlighted as, as I know we've come to. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange time. We're, we're talking about players that are out of contract in the summer. Uh, one in particular, as we'll come to, doesn't want to play on Friday. The other one is set to return. Ralph Ranjik saying Paul Pogba could start, but Lingard won't be involved at all. So it's... It's a really strange one. There was a, a tweet over here from a journalist that I, I don't think it was James Ducker, but it was it was someone who's quite um, qu- quite yeah, in the know when it comes to to Manchester based football, whether that be City or United. And they said, and I disagreed with it. They said it was a dangerous precedent United had set by not letting Lingard leave, mm. and that they yep. are essentially telling players that if you're out of contract, uh, we can do what we want with you and you can't negotiate with anyone to the summer. Now, I'll tell you why I disagree with that. Jesse Lingard could have signed a pre-contract agreement with a foreign club uh, for the full month of January. He can still do that now. And it's not Manchester United's duty to make Tottenham Hotspur, West Ham United or Newcastle United stronger. United are entitled to set any price that they want. They're entitled mm-hmm. to put in any clause that they want. Just as when when United, Phil, for instance, wanted Jadon Sancho the, the year before he arrived, the, the talk was, I think it was £108 million pounds or euros or whatever it was, and Dortmund said, look, we are not budging from this price. They stuck to it, they stuck to it, and United didn't pay it, so he didn't come. United have done the exact same thing to Newcastle and others, and normally I would be critical of United in terms of how they deal with outgoings because at times I feel that 
the club lets players leave um, for well under their asking price, whereas other clubs, Liverpool in particular, tends to get top dollar at times for, for fringe players. So I, I don't mind the fact they've kept Lingard. I think he's always going to be a bit part player for United. Another six months of that's not going to do United any harm. United have got to look after their interests first and foremost. Um, however, I have to say, I do find it curious that he uh, needs a few extra days um, to, to come to yeah. terms with the fact that the club that pay him £100,000 a week and the club that have backed him since he was a youngster and the club that uh, kept him in the summer um, when he said he wanted to stay and fight for his place um, that's all suddenly shifted to, to needing some time out so a bit confused by that but I suppose they've got so much more to discuss just as well as that situation well, yeah, I want to touch on a couple of things there. First of all, um, he didn't just say in the summer that he wanted to stay in faith for his place. He said it in January. Ralph Ranier commented on it. I talked about it a week ago in saying one of the main problems was he changed his mind halfway through the window, which he did. And then we got some utterly insane, ridiculous coverage. Cavi, um, uh, my sincere apologies. I, I don't want to do the guy a disservice by pronouncing his name wrong. So I'm not 100% certain how to pronounce his last name without looking at it. Um, but gentlemen from Sky Sports said the PFA need to get involved. Now, I've been missing that kind of coverage when you know, we're getting turned down for players, leveraging, and getting quoted absurd prices, getting pre- quoted prices that are absolutely ridiculous. Nobody cared. And now all of a sudden the PFA's got to get involved. What are the PFA going to do? Jesse, hey, see that contract you signed? You don't have to honour it. Walk out. Have you ever heard such nonsense in all your life? By the way, Jesse Lingard could have left in the summer. Didn't. Had an ample opportunity. Wanted to go abroad, if you remember at the time. Turned down West Ham. Right? Didn't get to play. For whatever reason, didn't get to play. Right? Manchester United do not run a community outreach programme. You don't have a right to play. Okay? You have to earn the right to play. This includes the same for Van de Beek. It includes the same for everybody, right? You are the master of your fate, whether it's success, failure or not, okay? You're going to meet people along the way. They're going to help you, managers and everything else, but ultimately it's down to you. And, you you know, when I look at Jesse Lingard, I have, don't have a lot of sympathy. You know, when you talk about, you know, getting the PFA involved and respect and everything, have you not noticed what he's been doing for the last six months with the pictures he's been uploading? Right? Now, this is an individual that's had to apologise on a few occasions after being insensitive, uploading videos of him having a laugh the day after he did lose a cup final. Right? Now, that's okay. Anything can happen. Right? People, human beings make mistakes. I understand that. And I do think some of the abuse that's been levelled at him is a disgrace. Um, however, this is not, you know, a Gitmo situation, he's not being held hostage, right? I mean, Jesse Lingard could walk into Manchester United right now and say, I want to rescind my contract and walk out. Don't pay me for the next six months, right? He, he could do that. Now, <laughs> clearly he don't want to do that, right? And by the way, Callum, I didn't think what United were asking Newcastle for was really that unreasonable. If you take a look at City and you take a look at Chelsea and PSG, take a look at the first year or two of that project. It's littered with them overpaying for players. And by the way, not the best players. You know, before you got to Aguero, you had to get a Bellamy. Right? And that's how it works. You didn't buy Real Madrid. You bought Newcastle United. Viagra couldn't keep you up. 
<laughs> right? So here's the thing, lads. Reality check. You bought Newcastle United. Secondly, welcome to the table of big clubs being gouged for players. I know you have no experience with that, but that's what's coming. Thirdly, no one's under any obligation to sell to you what you feel is a reasonable market price. How many times have you never been criticised for overpaying for players? Well, this is why. Right? And they're criticised for selling on the cheap. Listen, I think they should have let Lingard go because I don't want to see him at the football club. But this isn't about setting precedent or anything else because Paul Pogba and lots of other players are in exactly the same situation. There's nothing wrong with wanting to leave. It's how you leave. It's how you go about it. Right? And you know it's in a Mason Greenwood situation, the fact that it possibly, I don't know. Right? But here's the thing. Jesse Lingard made a commitment to United halfway through January. United are not really in a position to be bringing players in on a long-term basis. Right? At best, you could really look for a short-term loan. Um, you know, Jesse Lingard is, was he, he hasn't started a single game all season, has he? Um, I don't think so. I think he's got, or maybe one, I think he started. So, same with Van de Beek. Um, you know, Martial, same thing. So, you're not really losing much in terms of first-team impact. You know, they're squad players, right? But they haven't contributed anything the first six months of the season. And I think a long move in their, in their uh, circumstances is good. So, for Jesse Lingard, you know, to me, I, I don't think United have anything to apologise for. Uh, his brother uploading these stupid things and then Jesse sending him a couple of days off. A couple of days off for what? That they, that, that they were hurt feelings? Have you ever in all your life, right? So when Ronaldo didn't get his move to Real Madrid and was told to sit tight for another year, he came in and put in the best season of his career at the football club. When David De Gea didn't get his move to Real Madrid, he was exceptional once Van Hal put him back in the team. All right, this is what happens. So to say you need a couple of days off to be with a disappointment, if I was Newcastle, I'd ask myself, is this the type of player I really want? Because really, Callum, the only question that's worth answering is what's he worth to Newcastle? He's worth, than you would think, in Eddie Howe's opinion, survival. And as you say, if United want 10 or £12 million pounds as a survival bonus, then at the end of the day, Newcastle stand to make hundreds of millions of pounds should they stay up. Um, they'll certainly be guaranteed another year of full Premier League TV money if they stay up. And of course, um, they'll be able to, I'm sure, um, generate some sponsorship from potentially a certain uh, region and country in the world, um, like other clubs have done. So I think it's 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 a bizarre situation. I don't understand why, as I say, that people were acting that this was some sort of first. People were sort of trying to treat Jesse Lingard as if he was Jean-Marc Bosman, which I totally did not understand, as if he was this poor soul that was hard done by, and it's not happened to other footballers in, in the past, and even on deadline day, in a much lesser scale. Um, Liverpool tried to sign Fabio Carvalho from Fulham, mm -hmm. Um, Fulham didn't agree the deal and the player can't go and he's in the same situation as Lingard where he can sign a pre-contract or he can leave in the summer for free albeit a tribunal will set the fee but at the end of the day that's football, that's life you don't always get what you want you might go into your employer some of the listeners um, who tune in every week you might knock your employer's door and say look I, I fancy, I think I, I deserve a pay rise and <laughs> you might be told no and it's not great and you don't want to hear it and I'm sure you're going home to 
whoever you you live with or, or whoever's in your family, if you live on your own and you're telling them about it and, and you are pretty peeved off, but at the same time, it, a decision has been made and you just need to get your head down and get on with it. And what baffles me about Lingard, Phil, is of all the games to say that you're not going to play in, it's this one. And not, not I'm not saying Middlesbrough um, is, 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 is going to be the biggest game of United's season. Um, it's a game that United on paper should win. Whether they, whether they do or not, we'll see tomorrow. But if there was ever going to be a game where Lingard could be in contention for a start or for a significant portion of the game, potentially 30 minutes, 35 minutes as a sub, you would think against a championship club, this could be it. So... The fact he's not not willing to put himself, I was about to say put himself through it, put himself what doing his job, um, is bizarre. And and to be honest with you, I, I think he's he's essentially now going to be a last resort option for United. Where, although obviously with Greenwood's situation, uh, United probably did need another um, player just to cover positions. Um, and obviously, Ahmad had, had come up to Rangers up in Scotland mm-hmm. here, so it probably was wise to keep him um, in a sense that they needed their body, as you say. So I think he'll be a last resort option for United. And to be honest with you, he's got no one to to blame when he looks in the mirror but himself. Because if he was open and honest with United that he wanted to leave in the summer, I think United would have let him go. If he was honest and open at the start of January, I think United would have let him go. But as you say, you can't have your cake and eat it at times when you profess loyalty on January the 15th and then... By the 23rd, 24th, it's a different story. So at the end of the day, he has to remember the club gave him a lot, just as much as he's given this club um, uh, lots in, in his time at the club. Obviously, the cup final goals and stuff uh, will be remembered. Get your head down, play until the end of the season and take charge of your destiny when it's in your own hands. Don't throw the toys out the pram like a baby because the thing that annoys me with United, and we've talked about this numerous times, if this was happening at City, Liverpool, Chelsea, or any functional football club with a with a, a clear picture in the hierarchy, this just wouldn't be allowed to happen. You'd be look at Lukaku. He was frozen out of arguably Chelsea's biggest match of the season. He was made to apologise to the fans publicly, to his teammates, and then he got back in. I mean, this guy's asking for time off, and as you say, for what reason? Nobody's got a clue. Well. Lingard's value is largely comprised of a successful six-month loan spell at West Ham. That's what he's trading off, right? He's done the anything before that and he hasn't done anything after it. So why he doesn't approach the next few months with the same mentality and saying, just like you said, hey, you know what, I'm going to go play against Middlesbrough. I'm going to play Middlesbrough and I'm going to prove his team wrong. I'm going to prove the manager wrong. I'm going to prove the club wrong. I'm not playing for you. I'm playing for my next employer, right? Why don't he do that? Because... If we're sitting five, six months from now, let's say Newcastle do stay up and they don't have the same desire for a Jesse Lingard. Jesse Lingard's still going to get a decent move to a West Ham or a Newcastle. But why don't he play the next six months and show that he's well worthy of a move to a top team that can challenge? Not just a team that's going to give him a shared load of cash. See, if I was Jesse Lingard, I'd be saying, you know what, I don't want to move to Newcastle or West Ham. I want to move to Barcelona, Real Madrid, or whatever. I know, I know Barcelona is not the club that they were, but if you get what I'm saying. I want to move to a top club with challenges. Why aren't top clubs who challenge looking at him? Why is it clubs who are on the periphery or at the bottom of the table? Because if none of the other top teams and the top teams in Europe want him, maybe there's, there's something in that, Jesse. Maybe the only teams that want you are teams that can't buy the top players in the world or teams who are desperate. 
So to me, uh, I, and I that's think, fair. Yeah, I think Jesse Lingard has a point still to prove, right? Because how many times have we seen players, Callum, get a move of a successful loan spell and turn flat? So the one I've used in this show, Phil, and I always reference it is Emmanuel Adebayor on loan. That yeah. guy was one of the best strikers in the Premier League, and as soon as he's got his permanent contract, he completely is falling off a cliff. So it's bizarre. It's utterly bizarre. Ryan Giggs was notorious for this. Ryan Giggs always found his form in the last year of his contract. Always. I mean, this I remember. I remember this well. This was a narrative of Manchester United fans. So Jesse Lingard's twenty nine, and. For me, with Jesse Lingard, especially with the World Cup coming up in, towards the end of the year, he should be looking to play as much as possible. And you're quite right. That Middlesbrough game, he should have been licking his chops. So, uh, and the other thing that he's done, which now is totally unnecessary, is he's heavily affected his relationship with United fans. <laughs> Didn't need to happen. Um, obviously, Callum... From a United perspective, there's big concerns. The turnover in the summer is going to be massive. Now, cast their mind back six months ago. We were saying United needed one player to complete the rebuild, a defensive midfielder. Now, now look what we're saying. We need a new manager. We need about six new players. You know, a significant portion of those players are leaving. Asking players to not make up your mind until you get a new manager is ridiculous. You know, why would why would players wait? You know, to me, I, I, I don't understand that. And to me, I think it's an appointment United need to make immediately. Whether it's sticking with Ranić, and for this very reason, by the way, right? You know, if you talk to United about recruitment, they will tell you everything's geared towards the summer. Okay, but that's a process. Even pursuing your targets takes months, right? So that we're not sitting on deadline day hoping we close two or three deals. One of the things that I liked about last summer was United went about their business relatively quickly and with a minimum amount of fuss. That was because they were prepared, because they knew exactly what they wanted. So this managerial appointment has to be made now. Richard Arnold has the job of his life on his hands. Right, Richard Arnold has to turn around a football club that is in a mess. And one of the things that well, we'll get to the Mason Greenwood thing in a minute, he has to show that he's different from Ed Woodward. If he's smart, he will see where Ed Woodward failed and make sure he's strong where Ed was weak. Right, if they've learned anything. So he has a massive job on his hands here, Callum, because he has to get the manager right and then has to back that manager in recruitment 100%. Now, I know people are saying, well, Ralph Ranić was told he was in charge of transfer, said he could let Lingard was allowed to go, go in and he had a block. Well, hang on a minute. Just because a manager says you can leave doesn't mean the club give you away. My club have their interest too. And there's no football club in the world does that. So... People need to understand that, you know, Ralph Ranić just one part of that process. So um, United need to make a decision quickly. Now, Ralph Ranić's record is better than Conte's at Spurs, even though it doesn't feel that. And 
it seems like it's been an age since United last played, right? But there was some shoots of encouragement, Callum, in the last game or two, where you felt like some United are finally executing what they're being asked to do, and you can see these improvements in their patterns and how they play. Hopefully that's being going to be carried on against Middlesbrough uh, in the FA Cup. You know, it, it's 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 a game that you need to, need to continue to build momentum on and need to continue to show that his ideas are translating. Absolutely. Um, I think in terms of the recent games, Brentford and West Ham, um, we were talking on the show the last time we recorded that that could be potentially a very tricky week for United. Brentford had upset a couple of the bigger teams at home. They'd beaten Arsenal on the opening day. They pushed Liverpool very close, lots of goals in that game. And West Ham, of course, under David Moyes, have been pushing for European football. Obviously, secured it last year, pushing for it again this year. So if there was ever two fixtures back-to-back that could have caused difficulty, it would have been probably at Brentford away and, and West Ham at home if you weren't playing one of the, the, the so-called Big Four or, or Big Five. So um, it was a very impressive week. I thought United, um, first half against Brentford, um, rode their luck a little I thought Brentford did create a lot of chances but I felt that United were able to take the momentum on after the game and the <laughs> I have to mention it the meltdown of Thomas Frank I like Thomas Frank yeah. but I thought that was absolutely hilarious I mean I mean, sometimes you, you say throwing your toys out the pram I think he, he threw everything out the pram his clothes a lot he was he was, he was off in a, he was on another planet after that game we, we dominated we destroyed them um, I, I just hope United don't destroy a team and lose 3-1 because that would be that would be a strange definition of destroy. Um, and in regards to the West Ham game, again, tough game, but it's important to go to the end. How many times have we said that on this show? How many times have down the years of United shown that and epitomised that um, resilience in their play, especially under Sir Alex Ferguson? So going to the end is vital. David Moyes, of course, complaining, thinks he's hard done by, but at the end of the day, I thought the move to create the winning goal was, was absolutely fantastic. Um, you had every member of the... The front four contributing, of course, Martial contributing before before he ended up going on loan to Sevilla, which I do think is a good move for him and for United, in all honesty. Um, so, as I say, all in all, it was a positive week. I think this is the perfect first game back. I don't say that in an arrogant manner. I say that because Middlesbrough, obviously, are a team in transition themselves. Chris Wilders went in there to replace Neil Warnock just before... Um, the Christmas period, so you're coming up against the championship team in a transition, which is probably ideal for United, especially at home, um, because you don't want to have a, a couple of weeks off um, where you don't have your traditional warm weather training camp together as a group, because obviously these restrictions, etc., they've been good off in sort of smaller um, cohorts. So I think it's it's a good first game back at home. The lights at Old Trafford, 8pm. Maybe I'm biased. I'm, I'm going tomorrow night, so I'm, I'm excited to get down and, and take it in. But um, I'm really looking forward to, to watching United on the pitch. And I know we're going to come to all the drama off the park, but we have to be fair, and we always are fair on this show. We were very critical of some of the performances, Wolves, etc., at the start of the year. I thought Brentford and West Ham, Brentford second half and West Ham second half were very encouraging because United showed a desire and a will to go to the end. And what I liked about Brentford in particular was when they were leading that game, they still wanted to go and get another one. Yes. And I think that's something that you always need. And that's something we've lacked. I feel that Mourinho's time especially, um, I know that's a couple, fair few years ago now, but nothing annoyed me more than United going maybe 2-1 up or 1-0 up and then sitting back and getting deeper and deeper and deeper because you just felt the inevitable was coming. So that ruthlessness was was much welcomed and I hopefully, hopefully it'll continue for the rest of the season. 
Yeah, I agree. You know, there's some difficult games coming up. After that, you know, Burnley away is always a difficult game. Southampton at home, you see what they did against City. They took points off City home and away. Brighton, you know, Graham Potter has them playing well. Then Leeds away. Although they're games that they're winnable, very, very winnable. Then Atletico, um, you know, they've got the Derby up in March. So uh, United have, what have they got, seven games in February. So it's a jam-packed schedule. Um, lots and lots of games and I think that's probably what United need right now because they badly need to talk about something other than what's happened this week um, now obviously Callum it's difficult to talk about the Mason Greenwood situation it's, it, you're genuinely walking a tightrope and um, you know I, I, there's a lot of injured parties involved here and obviously you don't want to prejudice ongoing investigations so we have to be very careful about what we say can um, I just come in on that, Phil? Yes, and the reason I want to come in is because I'm going to talk about a different situation that's going on in Scotland at the moment. Um, so just to be clear, when I speak about this, I'm not talking about Mason Greenwood. It's made the news worldwide. Um, there's a footballer, uh, David Goodwillie, um, yeah. uh, who played for Clyde in Scotland. Um, he was signed this week by Wraith Rovers, who are a full-time professional club. Um, David Goodwillie was convicted in the civil court and branded a rapist and fined £100,000 by the civil court in Scotland. Um, he didn't serve any time because there was not enough evidence for a criminal prosecution, but the civil court here um, did um, declare him to be a rapist, along with another man called David Robertson, who um, also was a, a footballer um, as well at Dundee United and others. Um, David was signed by um, Wraith Rovers this week. Immediately after him signing for Wraith Rovers, their chief sponsor um, said that she was withdrawing all support. The women's team announced that they would no longer be willing to be associated with the club. Um, the club's television commentators in-house left the club. The club's supporter liaison officer left the club. Three board members left the club. Gordon Brown, former Prime Minister, came out against the club. And the only reason I want to mention that example, Phil, is without going into the ins and outs, as, as I say, we need to be very careful. Violence against women is completely abhorrent. Um, it has to be called out. It can never be condoned. And I'm not going to comment any further on, obviously, Mason Greenwood other than that. Um, the only thing I would say, and again, this is not directed at Mason Greenwood as an individual. It's directed at anyone at any level of football. Um, if, if you are... Um, guilty of violence against women or serious violence against any individual um, that is deeply concerning, then you should feel the full extent of the law. Whether you're a Premier League player, a non-league player, a semi-pro player, a Sunday League player, and as I say, I wanted to just give that goodwill example because it's it's um, it's very um, serious. It's it's obviously. And uh, something that's been going on in Scotland this week. And as I say, I'm, I'm just using that example to give people yeah. a sort of insight to how difficult these things can be, um, even years after um, something uh, as heinous as that happened. And as I say, the, the, the other message before I let you come in, I, just, I know you're going to say something very similar in terms of violence against women. We completely abhor it. It's abhorrent. Um, it's disgusting. It can never be condoned. And as I say, we have to be very careful with what we say, but I think it's important that I emphasise that message and, and Phil, you emphasise this message off air as well as on air all the time. So, uh, as I say, I'll, I'll pass over to you. Let's just say a couple of things, man. Right? Um, these are my thoughts, nobody else's. Social media is largely theatrics, right? And the easiest, lowest bar in the world 
is to condemn Mason Greenwood and to condemn violence against women and rape is not that, though, right? It's going to get your likes, it's going to get your retweets and everything else, right? But how many people really care beyond that? And I'm going to ask this question because it's so easy to slam Mason Greenwood, right? I'm going to speak about in the context of journalism. So easy to single him out. And by the way, he deserves everything that comes his way. But same journalists are then tweeting positive things about Newcastle. Well, if you care about how women are treated and how human rights are, are handled, how on earth can you sit there and laud Newcastle owners? How on earth can you sit there with these people and say how a great transfer window they had? Right? People who presided over a regime who Newcastle quite clearly are inextricably linked with the Saudi government. They were made to watch Saudi players, the Saudi national team. They had to go on tour on Saudi Arabia, on, on, on holiday to Saudi Arabia. How can you sit there and tell me you care about how women are treated and then overlook that? How can you tell me you care about human rights whenever you're sitting there with the Manchester City owners? Lord, now their ownership is, you know, the same owners that what what they did with Barry Bannell was being prosecuted, right? The Manchester Evening News were even afraid to send somebody to the court to recover to cover it for fear of reprisals, right? Now the moral compass here in football, Gordon Strack and I retweeted it, said it perfectly. We have no morals in football. These people don't care. These journalists don't care. They, they don't care. They don't care. They condemn it because it's easy. So if you really, 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 really care, don't show up at Man City. Don't show up at Newcastle. Right? Cover it properly. They're not alone. Ryan Giggs was beating women up for years. Danny Burr, loads of them. Right? The football is littered with scumbags like this. Clubs have covered for them. Journalists have covered for them. Callan, I can tell you right now. Now, I understand UK label laws are strict. I've been getting texts from journalists for a year about Mason Greenwood and his behavior. So they knew. I wasn't their condemnation before. I understand there's proof. I understand all that. Right? Cristiano Ronaldo, what was he accused of? Now I understand there wasn't a conviction, but there was certainly enough plausibility there to be seriously concerned. How often does it come up? Never. Right. So when you see all this condemnation on social media, realize what 99.9% of it is. It's theatrics. It's a look at me. Aren't I a good guy? But can who enabled this? Lots of the same people condemning it. Right? This wasn't an isolated incident. You don't go from being a nice guy to doing something like that. It's not a what-off. Do you think Mason Greenwood 
take a look at Gilfie Sigurdsson. Take a look at uh, Mandy. How long did it take City to suspend Mandy? Right? Mandy played when he was under, under investigation, Callum. So, if you really care about human rights, then why do you protect certain people in order to protect your press passes? I mean, come on, right? I, I, I can think of about five or six incidents off the top of my head where the Premier League and journalists alike have behaved utterly reprehensibly because it's been in their personal interests, right? I mean, the American media is going after Joe Rogan. The same American media that worked hand in glove with the Pentagon to lie and sell wars that uh, have resulted in hundreds of thousands of innocent people dead. But they want to shut Joe Rogan down. I don't agree with what he's saying. But let's be honest, the last people we should be looking to to calibrate a moral compass is the media. And spur me their condemnation, right? Because most of them don't believe what they're actually saying, Callum. Because if they did, they wouldn't be selective under human rights. They wouldn't be showing up at Man City, right? They wouldn't be going to the World Cup in Qatar. They wouldn't be going to PSG. How many people dead building those stadiums? So let's have it right, mate. What Gordon Strachan said was 100% correct. Once these players come back on the field and start scoring goals, everything's forgiven and forgotten. Because it ain't me, not my sister, not my wife, not my girlfriend. And everyone wants to believe there's nuance. Oh, well, maybe something like this, maybe it's not him. Bollocks. Right? So where Mason Greenwood has a big problem, his sponsors are not wanting to drop him. That will really spook United. There's obviously people inside United quite rightly are appalled at this, at this. and United done the right thing by suspending him right, right away, right? Now I sincerely hope it doesn't emerge in the future that there's people inside Old Trafford covered for him, because if they did, they need to be outed immediately. They play the part in this. So I'm not talking about whether he's guilty or not. I don't know. I'll let the evidence do the talking. I'm just talking about the reaction to it. I'm talking about, I know for a fact there's journalists sitting there tweeting out strong condemnations. But when it comes to protecting their own interests, that moral compass is uh, not quite as calibrated. You're going to sit with people that are known human rights abusers that who by the way, put one of your colleagues through a wood chipper, uh, ordered uh, tons of barbecue meat to burn, right? And tell me you give a fuck about human rights? Spur me the bullshit, mate. So anyway, <clears throat> sorry, Callum. You know, and what you saw with Wraith Rovers, with, with David Goodwillie, right? That personifies an attitude throughout all of sports. Take a look at the NFL, mate. NFL's, there's a brute called called pros and cons. It done years ago. NFL is littered with this. Women abusers, 
you know, murderers, everything. They don't care because ultimately it comes down to one thing. Can you make me money? And if the answer to that is yes, almost anything is forgiven. As Gordon Strachan quite rightly said, if you're a youth team player with no value, you get sacked. Right? If you're a player that has legitimate commercial value, well, there's nuance. So, man, football has no soul. Football has no moral compass. Football does not care about human rights. It's demonstrated that over and over and over again. Thaxton Shinawatra owned Manchester City. Thaxton Shinawatra was wanted for uh, war crimes. Right? Who cared? You know? Come on. So I, I, I'm sorry, football, FIFA sitting there telling me, UEFA sitting, FIFA sitting there telling us we need to have a World Cup every two years and to, you know, actually building stadiums in Qatar for migrants, only a couple of people died. Absolute bollocks. Right? Bollocks. When did they care about human rights? They do business with sponsors that are up to their neck in it. The thing that, talk, keeping it topical with FIFA, I mean, you've probably seen the comments of Gianni Infantino, who seriously claimed that if there's a World Cup every two years, that people won't try and leave a continent of like Africa to seek asylum in, in Europe and across the Mediterranean. And I just thought to myself, you sickening, sickening human being. If, and I love football, Phil. You love football. It's, it's, it's escapism for me. But don't dare, don't dare say that having a major tournament in a country where FIFA um, set themselves up as a charity for the World Cup, by the way, um, so that they don't have to pay tax in the uh, wherever the World Cup is being held. Don't tell me that your, your tournament that you're going to bring to the, a, a so-called developing or poorer nation is going to help that nation when you hoover at least 90% of the income. The circus arrives and the circus leaves. And when it leaves... For instance, look at um, South Africa for the World Cup. Um, South Africa is obviously an interesting country. There is a lot of affluence in South Africa, and obviously there, there are communities that are really struggling. Kieran Maguire, a friend of the show, um, was telling a story uh, a few months ago, actually, um, on his show, Price of Football, that he went there with his wife, I think maybe four or five years after the World Cup was there, and he said, I really want to go and see that stadium. I think, don't know if it was Cape Town, wherever it was. And when he went to go to the stadium, it was it, it, it was left, it was, it was a shell, it was still there, but it was in disrepair, it wasn't being used. And as I've said, the circus arrives, the circus hoovers up the cash and the circus leaves, and it doesn't care what it leaves behind, just as it didn't care what was there before it arrived. And that is the problem with FIFA, um, UEFA, I mean yourself and, and your colleagues um, uh, many years ago, Phil, uh, were breaking stories left, right and centre about the corruption at the highest mm. level of the game. And again, you have to be commended for that. And the thing that frustrates me um, is as a young boy, now as, a, as an adult, as a man, I absolutely love the game of football. But the thing that is quite sad, and you know this obviously, Phil, you've got kids of a young age, they see the, the, the joy of football, the beauty of football. They see their heroes in the pitches. We all did growing up. When you grow up and you see the dark side of football, obviously from doing interviews and shows, etc., and getting to know people within the game, you very quickly get to know the dark side of football and it's not always the the prettiest place. Um, people talk about the Premier League having glitz and glamour, etc., the Champions League as well. There's a lot of stuff goes behind the scenes there that you could never hear publicly, but when you hear about it, it is 
it's pretty damn pretty damn distressing. And um I think as I say, with this situation, um United obviously I think the, the public statements they've released, um I completely support. Um we know people that work within that club as we said on the previous show. Um and at the end of the day you can never tar one whole organisation um what with the same brush. However, I again will completely um wholeheartedly agree with you that if if there was any knowledge of any incidents um that was not disclosed um, then uh, whoever unfortunately was uh, uh, if someone was doing that then I would hope that they uh, no matter who they are would, would face the consequences as well Recent reports suggest that over 6,500 migrant workers primarily from South Asian countries have lost their lives in Qatar in the last decade under mysterious circumstances um, Now this is your World Cup Six and a half thousand people, Callum. There's regional conflicts that don't produce that death toll. That's worse than 9-11. And you want to tell me that you care about human rights? You're willing to pay that price to put a football tournament on in a country that never should have had it? Why did Qatar get it? Why did South Africa get it? Why did Korea get it? So they could build Brazil, same thing. So they could build all these new stadiums. Hmm, wonder if there's a lot of people getting backhanders, building new stadiums with construction workers. What was the, was the lesson in South Africa? Mate, this is a disgrace. Take a look at some of these FIFA sponsors, right? Don't you dare tell me that they care about human rights. They don't care about women. They don't care about anything other than profit. If you bring money to the table, you can do anything that's been shown. If you're wealthy enough, what you do outside of football is irrelevant. When the Saudis wanted to buy Newcastle, it wasn't the human rights that held it up, it was TV rights. They primarily don't care. They don't care. So when things like this happen, they don't happen in a vacuum. Why do players feel entitled? Why do these players feel like they can do anything? I don't know. Who give them that impression? Now, you don't have to be a footballer to do amazing green with it. You don't have to be entitled to do amazing green with it. Lots of people do it. Right? It, one doesn't guarantee the other. However, in an industry like football, which is littered, with debauchery, top to bottom. I mean, Callum, I remember doing a report years ago on the number of African kids being trafficked into Europe on the promise of professional football contracts and being dumped, right, in their in these respective countries. They're paying the agents 10, 12 grand to get to Europe, to Belgium, Turkey, and then being left. FIFA knew about that, right? I'm sorry. Uh, and the journalism, the quid pro quo journalism, the quite clearly exists, right? We all, anyone who's worked in journalism knows this. Anybody. You criticize too hard, you get punished. And I understand people looking out for their careers. But see, if Mason Greenwood was a club, not an individual, 
People may find it a little harder. How do you get a quid pro quo here? How do we uh, uh, destroy a quid pro quo with, with one footballer? Because you're on the safe side condemning it. United know they can't do anything to you. And like I said, to be fair, I do feel United are genuinely disgusted about it. But don't tell me the vast majority of these journalists are. That's just utter bollocks. Unless they found their moral compass on Monday. Right? Now, I'm not doing what about it here. But there's a very reasonable... I mean, take a look at Roman Abramovich's past transgressions, count. I'm sorry. Right? If you're a journalist with moral compass that cares about football, you couldn't work on it. I'm a hypocrite too. I accept that. Then I've sat with Mike Tyson. Convicted rapist. Now I'm not saying he should have his career back and he should be forgiven. It's not for me to tell anyone else how to feel towards him. I'm a hypocrite, I accept that. But do me a favor, Callum, that these, you know, when you see a lot of journalists championing this young girl and everything, this is all learned behavior. I don't believe the vast majority give a shit. I genuinely don't. It happened, you know, in an international, in a week where there was no football. Now, it would have got horrendous coverage no matter what, and rightly so. Let's make this absolutely clear, right? Mason Greenwood deserves everything that comes his way. He does not deserve sympathy, does not deserve empathy. There is no excuse for it. It's bang out of order. And he deserves the full weight of the law to come down on him, right? Assuming he's found guilty, right? I can't imagine how difficult it must be for that young lady, right? As guys, we probably never understand, right? But I just take issue with a lot of the theatrical outreach. Calm, I could give you a million examples right now of journalists overlooking human rights abuses, pretending they don't exist, gaslighting, all sorts of things, right? Because it's in their interests. Millions of them. So, yeah. Anyway, it's, made, it's, it's, a, it's a very difficult sense of topic to cover, right? And I'm sure there are legitimate people out there, journalists, that are equally outraged. And to be fair, there are some fantastic journalists that do great work across, you know, condemning clubs, condemning ownership, and, and haven't played that quid pro quo game, right? I get that. I accept that. But the vast majority haven't. You know, like I said, where was the Manchester Evening News when Barry Bennell was being tried? Where was Stuart Brennan? I asked him about this. Bear in mind, Callum, we're talking about two people on their doorstep. I flew those people out to New York to interview them, and he couldn't show up at a courtroom. Why not? I mean, I know why, and you know why. And I asked him about it. Why didn't you show up? I covered it. No, you covered the outcome from your desk. You did not go and cover the details. That's not the same. Aggregating reports is not the same as reporting on it yourself. Anyway, man. Um, let's try to switch to a positive. Hannibal Mabry, we uh, got promoted. 
Uh, what's your take on that? I think it's a, a positive. Um, you've seen the opportunities that Anthony Lang has had since Ralph Ranić came into the club, and of course it has to be pointed out that Ollie, of course, gave him his debut and, and gave him Premier League minutes as well. However, I think the fact that Ralph Ranić is trusting him um, to, to start on a consistent basis um, is a real positive, and that should be something that inspires. Maybe he um, is playing international football um, at a young age, which is an incredible achievement. Um, and I think it's something that that, that should help him um, grow in confidence when he's training and hopefully playing with the first team because um, he, he's someone obviously he's playing for Tunisia and I think it's, it's, it's great to see young players play uh, international football and represent their country with pride from a young age and as I say I think it will help him uh, when he's involved in the first team setup. Uh, we've all talked about United's uh, need for uh, midfield reinforcements for more depth in midfield. Um, Donny van der Beek, of course, wasn't able to break into the team on a consistent basis, hence why he's went on loan to Everton, which I'm sure we all agree is a sensible decision for all parties. Um, so there's an option there for him to get a chance to be in and around the squad on the bench more regularly. And just as Marcus Rashford did against, I think it was Mitchelland all those years ago, all it takes is for someone to pull their hamstring in the warm-up or... Um, have a tight calf in the warm-up and you get a start and you can kick your career on from there. So I wish him every success and I'm, I'm excited to, to see him, um, even if it's only for 15, 20 minutes at a time for a while. Um, I just think he's, he's a young player who's been spoken about for for a fair few years. United, of course, paid, I think it was around £8 million, if I'm not mistaken, um, from Monaco at the time. Um, so he's certainly a, a young player that the club highly rate and has been talked about um, before he came to United as well so I hope he can get an opportunity Phil whether it's tomorrow or whether it's uh, a few weeks down the line I just hope he can get an opportunity a substantial one not just a cameo for a couple of minutes and, and I hope he can take it because there is nothing better than producing one of your own and obviously the Greenwood situation, as we have, uh, we've talked about, it's a delicate situation. Um, do not let one individual um, put off y- your view on United or any club producing homegrown players. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't matter if someone's homegrown or not. I mean, these things, as you've said, will happen in the general public and they should have to be abhorred, as we've both emphasised on the show already. So, always love seeing United produce um, talent. They took him at a young age. They've clearly put a lot of development time into him. And, and as I say, I hope he grasps his opportunity because... The, the more options that United have got um, for the first team, the more depth that, that we have, the, the better. And as I say, the young man's highly rated and, and may he go on to, to prove that um, that those high ratings were, were justified because I'd love nothing more. Yeah, I mean, people forget. I mean, Mabry was bought from Monaco. All the, you know, all, all, all the add-ons are mad. We're talking about 9, 10 million here, right? Highly, highly, highly rated talent, right? And so... Um, you know, he's a kid that's just come back from the AFCON. He was in the Arab Cup as well. I got to get, got the final, I got the quarterfinal of the AFCON Cup. Um, he's a talented young boy. He's only 19. And uh, I guarantee you, he'll be approaching the Middlesbrough game in the next six months in a different mindset than Jesse Lingard. Well, um, great opportunity for him uh, to to step up. And, you know, if even if you're some of the other talented young players that you needed, you have to be looking at these loan moves as... Uh, as an opportunity you have to be looking at that saying do you know what this is my opportunity I'll never have a better time in the next six months to force my way into the Ragman right um, and I, so 
some of those talented youngsters have to be looking at that as a tremendous opportunity. You look at Alanga, you know, sometimes you, you just don't know till you give a kid a chance. You know, Marcus Riceford was was, an, was a was a was a bright talent, but but if you ask any coaches, he wasn't the most obvious outstanding talent at seventeen, right? That he was going to break in the first thing, gets his chance, takes it, and and you know happens uh, like you said, serendipitously. So great opportunity for young Mabry. Uh, play against if he plays against Middlesbrough at the weekend. Of course, Pogba was supposed to be back too. Be interesting to see what happens over the next few months with Paul Pogba. A lot of a lot of indifference from United fans towards Paul Pogba. My feeling on Paul Pogba is this: if Paul Pogba gets a close to equivalent offer from a top club that's similar to Manchester United, he's going to take it. The only way he stays at United is if he has no other option, right? I have a feeling he'd probably end up in PSG, right? So, I think what Paul Pogba is faced is a similar situation to Jesse Lingard in the sense that you need somebody to have fresh memories of you performing at the top of your game. Not YouTube headaches from last season or the season before. Because as we just said, Jesse Lingard's value is primarily as a result of that successful six months. People have short memories in football. You see it all the time. You know, when 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 Solskjaer was sacked, everyone was talking about Brandon Rogers, and he lost three games. Everyone was talking about him getting sacked at Leicester. And then he won a couple of games. He was talking about getting a job again at United. And this is what football is. Right, memory of a goldfish the last 90 minutes defends everything. Right, whether you're good, bad, or indifferent, you're a top manager or not manager. Uh, we Ralph Ranick went from, you know, when you need to play Crystal Palace. Oh, this is the way you, you should be coaching the family. We you know you need to play well because the coaching lost the loss like a week later against Newcastle. Ralph Ranick can't coach. Right, and then you deal with that absurdity. And 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 social media has these uh, ridiculous polemics. Right from people who aren't brightest, you know, like I've got people on my timeline that you said Mourinho was the problem. I said Mourinho was a problem. Never in my life did he say I, he was the only problem. So your straw man bull should take it somewhere else, right? And I just can't have the energy to argue with these people because it's not truth that they're looking for, right? These are pathological weirdos, right? I always said from day one, clearly the manager isn't the only problem at the football club. I mean, clearly, I mean, anyone that's been conscious for the last eight years would know that, right? So, um, but that doesn't mean that Mourinho wasn't a problem. Of course he was a problem. doesn't mean he shouldn't have been sacked. Of course he should have been sacked, right? So, um, and I had conceded that it come to the end of tenure for Solskjaer. But I've always said a virtue key is from a manager to upstairs. They're the ones driving them. So, you know, to me, I think... Uh, you know, the, 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 it's good to see young Mabry in, it's good to see young Alanga in, um, you know, and take their chances. And look, for me, when you're sitting there talking about players moaning that they're not getting their chances, oh, you know, Solskjaer can give me a chance. Take a look at Anthony Alanga. Get a chance, take it. How many of you players got a chance and took it? Right? How many of them played and you said, you know what, they have to start next week? How many of them put in a different performance and we were like, ah, maybe they need a couple of games to find their form. Go look at Anthony Alanga. Attitude, right? And take a look at how he grasps his opportunity. A youngster showing you how it's done, right? So Anna commend Ranyak for having the courage to do it. So uh, for me, Callum, I think uh, you know, the body needs some positives. Hopefully Hannibal Mabry is one of those tomorrow. I really hope so, Phil. Um, obviously, Ralph Ranić talking uh, was talking sorry today about Paul Pogba. 
Um, he said he will feature in the game, and then he gives a little hint. He said, well, you never know, he might even start the game as well, but you'll just have to wait and see. So it'll be interesting to see how Pogba plays. Obviously, he's been out for a period of time, so any player needs a wee bit of time to get up to speed, albeit he doesn't have a lot of time with only four months left of the of the season. Um, but I, I'm, I'm excited to, to see United. Um, always am, even when, when times are... When times are tough, it's the hope that <laughs> it's the hope that kills you in life, isn't it? You 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 try and look forward to things, um, even in even in the even in the worst of adversity. Um, but what's, that's what I try and do anyway. Not always successful, mm-hmm. um, as you know, but I, I try that way. So I'm heading down tomorrow night. Um, I, I cannot wait. I'm obviously leaving tomorrow afternoon. Um, Hopefully there's no train delays because the timings are very tight. Um, but I'm 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 hoping to see a United performance that follows on from Brentford and West Ham because there's nothing more frustrating in football particularly with United and and, and Ollie had this as well where United, I mean think of the season we talked about Phil when we were behind closed doors United looked fantastic and then that Sheffield United game came and bang a completely flat performance and you think, you scratch your head and think but the last couple of weeks we've been playing really good scoring lots of goals, how can we go from I think Southampton 9-0 or 9-1 to, to losing to Sheffield United at home so I just hope we don't have one of those games where a lot's expected from United considering the the, the recent form of the last two games and, and, and they're flat and they don't deliver the, the word that I always I, I sound like a parrot people are probably fed up listening to me say it but I just hope United start the game with intensity um, that's the very least I expect from any team at any level of football start as you mean to go on um, obviously control possession but start with intensity, show some intent, show some desire and obviously hopefully the, the, the technical quality that United have compared to Middlesbrough will shine through and again I don't mean that in a patronising way I, I'm just speaking in a factual way United with their wage bill, with the quality of players at their disposal, with the coach that they have in charge, should be beating a championship side in transition so um, it would be a huge upset if Middlesbrough um, were to win they'll have a big fo- uh, a big uh, away crowd tomorrow obviously the, the FA Cup allows uh, a greater allocation for away fans so should be a good atmosphere great to have United back and hopefully Phil as I say it's going to be a positive performance because uh, as you know obviously you travelled over um, mm-hmm. during the Christmas period and you got to see some goals and, and, and a win so I just hope that I can see the same or the train journey home is going to be going to be a dreadful one and I'm yeah. sure next week's show will just be me sobbing for 50 minutes so we shall see I don't think so I think we're going to get a result and uh, they badly need it and hopefully the players come out with that attitude that they badly need to give so the supporters something positive um, we shall see Calm. As always, mate, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thanks to each and every one of you for downloading and uh, support the show. You retweet it and give us your feedback. It's always appreciated. I hope you're all well. And uh, thanks for thanks for all your time and everything you do. Calm. All the best, mate. All the best. Take care. See ya. Bye.